Welcome to Accounting High. This has been just a series of serendipity moments. You know, I just feel like the accidental accountant in a way for the accounting profession is we need to try and discern who's who in the zoo here. We need to know which game we're playing. There'll always be finite and infinite game players. So how do we know which ones are which? How do we know out of our client base, the firms we're working with? If you're living a duality and you're trying to straddle that fence between self-interest, keeping what you've got, as opposed to living a pure, more centred, congruent life, because you really find out that you're an infinite game player, but you're, you're caught in a finite game or someone else's finite game, we need to make a call. Usually when make, we make those tough calls, they're agonising, they eat up at us. Eventually when we make that call, we step into a power zone, really. We feel freer, lighter. Um, we maybe feel some guilt that we didn't do it earlier. Everything's just happening for us, not to us. Please take a seat. Step into this unique guidance session. Navigate with me. It's the capital S. Oh, yes, I'm fresh. C-O-O-T-Y apostrophe. OKR apostrophe. You see, the show is intended to guide you with advice. Vision goes on mission. It's time accounting. Hi, yeah. This profession, I think they're in the mood for some fun and inspiration. Hell okay. Yeah. What up, Scott? Gotta lead with ambition. What's that? Greed? Gotta grab your attention. Intention? And it's gotta be abundant. Public accountants. In unexpected places, we ask for your attention. Conversations about the state of the profession. Emotional intelligence, atomic habits in a bundle. Infinite game, Rye Holiday, we stay humble. Find your purpose in class with tech apps. Jedi mindsets, James Ash has got your back. For health to discuss her vision for the profession. Evolution conversation with Jeff Wilson the second. And I'ma continue to put the rap down with impact now. And if you're active listening, mind the imagination gap now. Yeah, Janitor Scott. Coming to you live from the closet with a bucket and a mop. So find a cozy spot. We all want financial freedom. A-C-C-O-U-N-T-I-N-G-H-I-G-H. Preach. Putting this course together. Sit back, relax, open your mind. Classes in session. Guidance class at Accounting High. It's guidance class at Accounting High. And um, it's guidance Monday in Accounting High show. So tune in to the next episode. Clayton Oates and Scott Scarano. We're going to have a problem here. This is Accounting High, and we've got a new guest from on the other side of the globe here. Our 2% of listeners in Australia are going to be pleased that we have Clayton Oates on today. Clayton Oates is recognized as a respected member of the accounting, bookkeeping, and tech community, international accounting, bookkeeping, and tech community. He's well-known in the United States. He's well-known in Australia. I'm sure people know him in other countries, too. I'm sure that you're known in, in the UK, <laughs> in South Africa, in all the English-speaking countries. I don't know about the French-speaking countries or the other Spanish not that I'm aware of. But the, Eng- the English speakers. Clayton, thank you for making the time. Hey, Scott. Great to thank see you, mate. Thank you for coming it's, on. It's uh, always fantastic to catch up. And yeah, just uh, 
just just in the future here, just fractionally, really, by 18 hours, I think, for you guys. So uh, hopefully I can impart uh, or bring the almanac and see what we can work out. The almanac. You're so you're so youthful. Clayton, how old are you at this point? You've been in the game yeah. for a while now. I was chatting to someone yesterday that the, he said, Clayton, you've been around this profession for five decades. Well, yeah, I suppose technically, yes. You know, started out in the 80s. So, uh, <laughs> whoa, I'm 53, I think. But life, life 6.0 or 5.3 or whatever we want to call it. So I'm, I'm glad just to be upright each day and uh, still kicking. So it's good. You know what, though? Age is a mindset. Totally. And if you allow it to define you, then... You know, it is what it is, but you're not that old. I mean, you're in your fifties. You still, uh, you still got a long runway left. One day at a time, you know, isn't it's... it? Really, which is appreciate that. So, the few things I noticed, at least in your journey, is very similar. I mean, you you wanted to be an, an entrepreneur. You were looking for freedom, right? Yep. And I think that's what a lot of people, you know, get they get stuck and trapped in their business. They get trapped in the day-to-day and they lose their freedom when they become business owners because they're a slave to their ambition, they're a slave to growing the business, they're a slave to their clients, or at least they feel like they're a slave and trapped. That's how I I used to feel. So I mean, I'm just talking from my own experience in an accounting firm, especially when you have tax season, when you're you know, stuck in that day-to-day grind of, I've gotta grow, I've gotta, I didn't know why, what I was chasing. And I don't know if I intentionally just did this, but it's like the segue and the transition in my my life from a finite mindset to that infinite mindset. And you see how I segued into that because uh, I think we had a, we did have a discussion on the infinite game. Shout out to Simon Sinek. I reread that recently. Yeah, I reread that this year. I read it when it first came out too because I I just follow him. Leaders eat last. Start with why. You know all of everything that Simon Sinek does seems to just speak to me on a different level. Like he's synthesizing a lot of ideas that have already been around and packaging them into something that's very palatable that I could, I could get behind like all the way. And there's, there's certain people in the industry that are like that. And I feel like there's, there's a lot of that when you're speaking too. So I'm propping you up here with like the Ron Bakers of, of our industry of the, you know, of those thought leaders here. But tell me at least what your thoughts were when you transitioned from, you know, you're you're working for other people. You intrapreneured your way into business. Do you, you have employees now at your company? Yeah, so Is that uh, right? that's correct. How many? Uh, yeah, how many employees? so we've never been a te- team greater than eight. Actually, I've done that whole staking ladders. Eight, you know, okay. where you go to eight, you come back to one. You, I've, I've done that two or three times over thirty years. We're we're a team of six at the moment. Distributed team around the country working with the best people, you know. So I, I, going back to freedom, you know, you've got to define what that is for you. You know, I can recall one day the founder of a very large mainstream accounting tech company in Australia, public company, asking me probably close to 25 years ago, Clayton, where do you want to take this? You know, what do you want to do? I said, look, I'd, I'd just love to be, I don't want to be the big, I don't, I have no ambition to be the public company. I really consciously try to keep the ego in check, although naturally as a human that runs away with us, depend different times. Um, Whew, I have to read and reread Ego is the Enemy. Ryan, that's, uh, that's a yeah. book that I recently read and that's, it's a solid uh, one. Yeah. Well, any of Ryan's stuff is incredible. I mean, man, what a, what a guy, you know, Obstacle is the Way, uh, The Daily Stoic, you know, all of that. Stillness yeah. is key. Oh yep. 
Those are the greatest hits. Those are the three punches in the gut that like they both take you to a different place and they change your mindset on a lot of totally. things. Yeah. It's so it's that, you know, you've sort of got to work out, well, what does freedom mean to you? Now, I know from an you know, accounting sort of or a business mindset, we tend to think that that is all about a financial piece. It's all about having more. You know, one of the keys I think I've found over the time is knowing when what is enough as well and living in the moment, you know, more present. It's when we get ahead of ourselves. And that's not to say we don't set goals and have dreams and, and so forth, but sometimes we can be just way beyond where we are and we're living out there instead of actually living and, and staying present. And I know that, that sounds like a bit of a cliche, but it's so true. And when we come back to that, that mindset, you know, look, business and life is a mindset. You know, we're all living in our own realities, our own bubbles. Gosh, the last two years or four years have really proven that in lots of areas. It's about beliefs and you know, and what we believe to be true and being congruent, you know, with, with yourself as well. So look, business for me was a, was a vehicle to enable choices and freedoms and freedom was really about peace of mind. It was, and in fact, that's what our support program was called right from the start and still is today, uh, our peace of mind program. I saw that today. I was looking on the website. I loved that as the option of one of the services. I yeah, it just dope. spoke to me. And, and when you're working with small businesses, and we are one, you know, it's just keeping it real, isn't it? You know, as, and not getting too far ahead of ourselves. And, and we've been in a professional industry that's been bombarded with future postulating, you know, and, and spin around the future and all of this and trying to get us out there to really probably disrupt our present and our center. And a lot of people have done a pretty good job of doing that to us. So it's probably up to us to reclaim the moment and reclaim the present in, in a lot of respects as well, is why those things speak to us, I think, as, as people. But you touched on the finite and infinite game. You know, for me, that piece, I just had this underlying core philosophy, and I think this is universal, although I've discovered that a lot of people mask it or maybe it's not universal. Maybe there just are these two types of game players, and we'll talk about that. But you've got to find your arena that is where your tribe is and where the people that actually have that same centre and core hang out. And, and that's part of the game. But that whole piece of actually, you know, we give and we get in that order, you know, you've got to create more value than we capture. And there was a quote by a fellow called Brian Irwin, you know, that Tim O'Reilly actually had one of the first, virtually the first commercial webpage, O'Reilly Media. And actually his webpage was about cataloguing what's on the internet. You know, it was like the library. Oh, that's, that's, oh, look at that. That's on there as well. I can actually go and do this. And, and, it was, and he commercialized it eventually. Eventually, I realized, oh, we, we're going to be half the internet here if we try and keep track of what's on the internet. This is just getting too big on us. And then they sort of commercialized that a little bit <laughs> through ad advertising and so forth. But Brian Irwin actually Google. said, well, hang on, we need to always constantly realize that we need to create more value than we capture. And that's sort of that infinite mindset, abundance thinking. And it's like, yeah, of course, you know, and the entrepreneur adds value, creates value by taking the challenge and, and solving it in a way that you can make a tangible difference to others. And if you do that, you eventually you will make a tangible difference to your life and existence as well. That's just a law of the universe. I, I just got this belief that you do the right things, the right thing happens. It may not be in your lifetime. So don't worry about that. You know, just, just double down on doing the right thing, what you believe to be true and right, and just go there. So business and accounting and all of this has just been a, a a playground, if you like, to actually learn more about this life experience and put into play these things that, that you believe to be true and important. And lo and behold, what pokes out the other end of time over distance and with a lot of activity is in fact validation of, of, of that belief and that process. If you're 
It's very validating. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's something to be said about having seen both sides of that mindset and having lived both sides too. And I mean, it does, it sounds like, you know, you've, you always, there was always like a means to an end and through your journey, you were pretty sure of, you know, how you wanted to do this in the right way. And I, I think that's also what leads to a happier life too, like knowing what you want and not doing what others think you should be doing or not, you know, not being, you know, not, not uh, creating this whole uh, persona of somebody that should be successful. You know, in the accounting profession, there's, there's different personas and there's different people that are, this is how you should be to succeed. And this is what you need to do in business. And I, I think maybe I was just following the wrong people or I had the wrong influences early on because I thought I need to keep everything to myself and everybody's competition. And this person, you know, and it's, I've talked about that a lot on the podcast that being on the other side of that is so much better. Like there's, I, I, I don't know if there's, a, there's another word for it, but it's so much more refreshing and it's so much easier to live when everybody's your friend and you can learn something from everybody. Everybody's got something for you everybody's got something to share everybody's got some value that they can add and everybody has their own you know purpose here and it used to like i guess in my mind it used to be you know very much when he's comparing he's comparing microsoft and apple early in the book and he does that throughout you know like i think i always identified and i loved things about apple but i don't think i embodied their mindset and how they ran as a company. I think I'm on the other side of that now and I'm seeing that, but it was always like, you just see this is like, I wanna be the best. How do I become the best? And everybody else, I I know I was at the peak of Mount Stupid early days too. And it, it, it was a journey to, yeah, <laughs> right? Like it, it was a journey to get to the other side of that. And then you had to, you had to travel through that valley of despair to be in what I'm calling is like the plateau of peace. Almost like that's what I think I'm leveled off at. I'm pretty good there. But with that, you're focused more on your systems and improving on yourself. And I, I don't know, like, I, I feel like that's kind of what you're doing. That's like your journey that you're on. Are you marching towards something? Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, marching towards right now. <laughs> I think that's how I feel about this in terms of it's interesting to talk about these peaks and troughs and valleys. And, you know, I, Sure, sure, and sure. And that's sure. actually um, part of the life experience, isn't it? You know, there's a great book, actually, The Second Mountain by David Brooks. Hugh Jackman, actually. Uh, I love that book. I brought that book up on our second episode. It's awesome that you just said it. I brought that up to Liz Mason, actually, because she's got High Rock, and I asked her, what's her next journey? Like, what, what mountain is she climbing now? And I, I was trying to bring up The Second Mountain. So, yeah, keep wow, going. That's I, awesome. I, well, I, you're spot yeah, on. It's, yeah. it's meant a lot to me, you know, because uh, – we're going to have, look, we, we set out on a journey and we think we're, this is the mountain we want to climb. And when I get X and Y and Z, it's, it's going to happen. You know, we've got this formula that we believe is going to be just an outcome based and that's it. And when I get that, I'll have this and I'll feel this and so forth. And, you know, beyond that, you know, and it, it may be perceived to be incredible success from an outside lens looking in, but you feel like, is this all there is? You know, is this like, what the heck, you know, do I, is it the next one that I need to climb that I'll feel in a certain way? Highly likely you'll have this valley beyond that mountain, even if, and I know this was my case, you know, I felt as though, oh, wow, that's, those goals and dreams actually came true. 
And then it's like life just gives you a sort of an uppercut and says, hey, hang on, <laughs> there's, there's this journey that you're on here and you end, it, end up in this deep, deep valley, which is actually part of, it's happening for you, not to you. Uh, you know, and I think Tony Robbins talks about this as well. You know, life's happening for you, not to you. Look, look at the learning from it. Look at the grief. I said that to my son today. I told him that today. We went to the library. Sorry, I, but I, it's exactly what I said to him. I didn't quote Tony Robbins, but I said, this is for you. This isn't half, like, you know, it's it's hard for kids to get that, though. But it was hard for me to get that. It was a really hard for me to get that most yeah. of my life. Yeah, and, and look, and then, you know, beyond that valley, you know, there's another mountain. But it's not the mountain you've just climbed, you know. So it's a different thing, you know. It's a, it's a like, an, a, I mean, look, people would say an awakening, an awareness, a consciousness, you know, whatever sort of a piece you want to put on that, enlightenment, you know, all those sorts of things actually, I think, play out in here. And so... You know, coming back to sort of building and creating a business, just probably that initial mindset is, you know, certainly building a business with a system that can sort of free you up in terms of physical effort and has some sort of continuity and sustainability to it is is critical as well. You know, um, the e-myth Michael Gerber was sort of that bedrock book, I suppose, for me that was like, hang on, I'm building a business with a system, so I need to invest in the systems to actually give me leverage. And thinking that, you know, I just wanted income and time was going to be the answer. Actually, when you do have income and time, it's like, hmm, that's when the real challenge starts, actually, to because you've got all this time and space to yourself. And you will either tear yourself down or, or you'll work out ways to sort of build, rebuild yourself back up. So a lot of it's numbing, I think. Business can be a numbing mechanism, you know. It's like, oh, we're wearing masks, but we also have this addiction to continued expansion, continued growth, you know. In, and growth for the sake of just growth itself without actually thinking, well, growth, what does growth equal? Does it equal serving more people? What if you're just an incredible bookkeeper, a great accountant? Why hide your talents? You know, there's a way to actually share that with more people. Look what the internet's done, one to many. You're doing this through your podcasts and actually you're touching people's lives through what you're doing and who you're bringing on and your insights to your life and journey. You're setting that out, you know, more than you'll, you'll connect with more people than you ever knew uh, than, than you will ever will know through just this medium. So, you know, you're, you're actually a living example of that, of creating and activating and sharing Jeez. just through this piece, small piece of what you're doing. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, the great thing about business and, and, and or the accounting profession. You know, here, here's me thinking, I just want to get out of it. In fact, I and what it's what it's done to me, and this has been just a series of serendipity moments. You know, I, I just feel like the accidental accountant in a way. I still hold my accounting to qualifications and so forth, but I'm I'm not the accountant. I'm not the bookkeeper. I set up and support small businesses and bookkeepers and accountants in those systems. But pivotal to that, and I, if I don't mind segueing just a little bit, to is the partnership with tech vendors. You know, I started our QA to actually support small to medium-sized businesses, and it's evolved more to accountants and bookkeepers as well. But pivotal to that is we needed to have great partnership, which I wanted to feel as though it was a lifelong partnership, but we're in this for life. We're sort of lifers in what we're doing. Not that you stay in this game forever, but you've got a lifelong forever mindset. And that is the uh, infinite game mindset. And whereas, and, and just for people that aren't aware, you know, infinite finite games, you know, go read the book, right? Totally immerse yourself. That is a workbook that's just studied the infinite game with Simon Sinek but even before that James Cass actually wrote a book in the 80s called Finite and Infinite Games and when he, made, he references that yeah and I'd read too. that many yeah. years ago before Simon had written his book you know I thought oh and the reason I read mm -hmm. it 
is because Mark Andreessen from Andreessen Horowitz, who created Netscape, I saw him at a conference in San Jose and he spoke about that. He was asked the question, how do you work out who to back, you know, as far as tech founders? He said, well, first of all, we want to work out which game are they playing? And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, hang on, what's he talking about? And he referenced James Cass's book, Finite and Infinite Games. And I thought that was like a aha, grab the pebble moment for me. It's like, oh, hang on, he's just dropped a pebble here. I just need to go and pick that up and go deeper with it. And so that then, because what I was looking for at that time, and, and, you know, I was looking for why do some partnerships last? Why do some relationships last and others don't? Why do I feel as though some of the tech vendors we partner with that it's just a one-way street here and it feels like I'm a pawn in the game? Whereas others, it's like I've got this deep connection at a personal level that I feel as though we're in this forever. We're in this to create this abundance and more um, and, and help and impact people in a more tangible way. And you come back to the Apple and Microsoft examples. And even Brian Irwin talks about that with Microsoft. You know, that was the, or Tim O'Reilly actually talks about it to say, hey, the Microsoft model, when particular leaders were in charge, I think when Steve Ballmer was there, it was just all about getting, winning. It was about beating the competition. It was about taking people out of the game. And that's the finite game. So the finite game, the purpose of a finite game in a very simple form is to actually end the game. And you end the game by beating the competition, you know, dominating and just making people run out of oxygen, basically, outlasting them, those sorts of strategies to actually, and you don't want more entrance to the game. This is my game. I'm going to win and own this. Whereas the infinite game, which I think most of the accounting profession is, and we've got 500 years worth of history here, is that we are infinite game players. And so the purpose of an infinite game is actually to continue playing the game. How can we bring more people into this? It's not a zero-sum game. It's actually a game of abundance. It's a multiplier that actually occurs. And so there are these two games in town. And so if you've had a situation where you're feeling as though you're partnering with it, let's I'll use tech vendors because I've had the most experience with partnering with lots of vendors for over 30 years. And by the way, we chose multiple vendors right from the start of our business because I felt as though I needed to de-risk our strategy here. I couldn't just go all in with one vendor. I needed to choose multiple. We needed to sort of know three, also beware of three, know two, master one, I suppose is three, two, one rule that I sort of adopted because what if one, what if that relationship completely falls apart? What if that vendor does something that's totally incongruent with my core values? A lot of people, that does happen, right? And they feel trapped. They feel as though, oh, I can't give this up now. It's like the What's the example? The monkey with the hand in the bottle. How do you catch the monkey? You know, put the put the food in the bottle and the hand in there and it just stays in there because I must keep what I've got. It doesn't let go, yeah. And it's like, whoa, hang on. But if you've got several bottles going on here, it's like, oh, I can just go back over there. You know, it's like putting all of our thinking that I've got, I just need to... It's like a scarcity versus abundant. Yeah, yeah. And we tend to just hang on to that little piece that we've got, that little morsel that's been chucked at us to live a... uh, and settle for life as opposed to that whole playground over there of abundance and infinite sort of game players. And it's not just being in the infinite game ourselves. It's actually what we benefit from, from being in with our people, you know, the tribe that's like, whoa, that energy that I feel and get, and you know, live, live events are a bit like that for me, although we, we push it pretty hard and I'm getting older, but it's just that feeling of like, wow, I'm connected here with people that actually get it and we're on the same game. And I don't care if that finite game's happening over there. Good luck to them. That's their thing. That's their their shtick. I actually want to make sure that I've gone through the right turnstile to the point. Well, when they're done, you'll still be playing. Yeah. And, 
And in right. fairness to them, and it is a bit of an us and them, and we need to understand that is that that's their that's their deal. They want to finish that game. Now they, I don't know if people ever transition from being a finite game player to being an infinite game player. I know a different. So maybe these two games just naturally exist. I'm saying that I I transitioned. Like I I think that I was playing a finite game with my with my life with myself. Like I I had to get to this next one to this to do this, and it was always about reaching an end. And now it's it's a marathon, and even marathons have well, to end. Too, were you an infinite game player is, that was just trapped in a finite field? I think so. I I think that's another that's another thing to touch on. I also feel like right now I'm looking into a mirror of my future. Right, like you're you're giving me the greatest hits of the books that are on my bookshelf behind me. Like you're everything that you're laying out there when you said the E Myth. Like there's uh. There's a lot of this where it's like I can just hand over the mic to you and I'm not going to come on and you'll probably say the same well, to I would. The wisdom <laughs> but, of the crowd, with, with, on this show. You know, the wisdom that's contained in the, I mean, I just finished a book this morning. I picked it up four days ago. I don't, I'm don't. i not usually a fast reader. Um, I do still listen to a lot of Audible these days, but if I love the Audible, I'll buy the book because I want the library. I want the tangible. Book. Me too. I le- So I, I, I want the tangible. This I'm, I'm holding up Infinite Game right here and I haven't actually... I'm, I haven't read the physical pages. I've listened to the book twice, but totally. I uh, I wanted to sit down and do the page. Now, it, I did pick up a, re- a new habit of reading at least two pages of a physical book a day. And so I am getting through more books, but it's you know one of the habits that I'm tracking every day. And that's, that's awesome. uh, one I'm reading right now is uh, Think Like a Monk. Well, that's I the, just that's finished this morning. Reading. You'll know, I mean, uh, the book's, uh, what is it, 25 years old, and I'd had it on my list forever, you know, to read uh, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. I just finished a uh, called Robert Sharma, Robin Sharma, 5 a.m. Yeah. club. You know, I, I feel like I've heard that one before, but I didn't, I forgot. Like, I, I didn't even know who about it again. So I'm going to write that down now. And yeah, well, uh, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is list. in that book, you know. So he's like a, he's like a collector, a curator of uh, wisdom of thousands of years, effectively, that's put it into this sort of mode that it's like resonates when you're reading it oh yeah like a lot of this stuff you well yeah i've heard of that or i knew of that or well if you to know and not to do is not to know you know that sort of piece is is important as well and we think we know a lot of things but we're actually not doing it um we're not taking that action so even just that reading of you know 15 20 minutes half an hour it's habit stacking really isn't it it's you're not trying to get rid of the old you're not breaking the old habit you're actually creating new ones and the old ones soon sort of falls away yeah in the distance there's a lot of power in habits. Yeah, James Clear, what a what a what a guy, you know, in terms of that atomic habit. I call him the habit wow. god. That's yeah, I- <laughs> incredible. I mean, I've sort of then gone a little deeper and further back, you know, and I know through um Tim Ferriss with his, you know, just digging into the Stoic philosophy piece, which is where a lot of Jack Ryan Holiday stuff sort of then really gives us practical use case stuff apply. Absolutely. And even back to um, you know, Letters from a Stoic by Seneca and, and Marcus Aurelius Meditations and Epictetus and you know those sorts of foundational books that a lot of these guys reference to you know over and these were written thousands of years ago it's like oh my gosh you know one of the phrases I always used in lots of presentations that I do is success is when opportunity meets preparedness or you know and I mean written in Seneca's letters from a stoic is that phrase that was written in the first century um, or luck when opportunity wow. meets preparedness and here I'm thinking it was a new age sort of uh, you know ha- how to get more out of life type quote <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is, but it actually was written more than 2,000 years ago 
Um, and here's the book that references it. Well, that's amazing. Like everything is very cyclical too. I think generations tend to be pretty cyclical. Like it passes on from generation, skips over a generation, and then different generations have different mindsets too. And I think we're seeing that changing of the guards, so to speak, happening between generations in worldly. I mean, I think in the United States, for sure, we're seeing that with boomers. And, you know, I guess there's a series of generations, but, you know, they always highlight the oldest and the youngest whenever it's talking points, right? But there's that whole infinite game mindset of generation. Like, we're changing this not for this quarter, not for this fiscal we're making this change for this generation and the next generation. Like, this is why we're doing it. Like you said, like when, when I'm done, it's for the next person. Even if you don't see it in your lifetime, the change is being pressed against. And we're all pushing this boulder up the hill. I feel like Sisyphus sometimes with the accounting industry, because once you try to move it forward a bit, it falls down again. Like now they're talking about cast 2.0 and like, you know, they're just driving a lot of these things that it's it's a bunch of fluff, you know, or, or a bunch of like finite ways of thinking. And we're getting like to a degree, a lot of the publications and everything that's being pushed to us, I don't necessarily agree with. And I don't know how to speak out on that because I don't really know. I don't think it's my place to say that you should be doing like you said, like, I think that we're always going to have this world of two different mindsets at play and whether you're a finite player or an infinite player we can all get along we can all totally and that's the, i don't think the finite players get along with us though i don't think they choose to get along with us they don't like well, us that's the i think that's the thing that i've sort of had some epiphany or realization around is that instead of to try trying to change their game and change the rules of their game get in your game you know and so the thing there is it's clean air. And I think the word earlier that sort of came to me was when we're talking about is just, you just feel lighter. You know, you just, you just feel a lot lighter. And and you, look, many of us will know times when we felt like this and couldn't quite articulate, well, what's the recipe for that? Uh, but it's highly likely that I suppose what, why I was looking at finite and infinite games, it, for me, it actually created a lens to look through as to bring some reasoning as to why have these things fallen apart in the past. And, I, and for us, We've always dealt with multiple vendors, as I said. If one of them sort of performs some sort of act or, or it comes a realisation to us that, oh, my gosh, they're actually in it. Look, self-interest lives, right, in all of us. But they're in it for the purposes to go through me to get to my clients or their behaviour is untrustworthy. You know, there's an ethical base issue here. And you see a lot of companies, they can they can talk the talk, right? They have it on their wall. We're about values, integrity, all these, you know, cap phrases. I don't care. Like your actions speak so loudly, I cannot hear your words, you know. And so when, I, when we see things that are incongruent with us at our core value, we need to make a call. We don't necessarily need to go and beat that, uh, that person up and try and force something down their throat that they're just never going to get because they're just in a different game. But we have a choice. We have, we have a choice. We could either get bitter or better. I think that's something I've lived by. When you have an experience of bitter or better, cuts like at that. your core, you have, and in fact, going back to Victor Frankl and the, you know, psychologists say we have 100% control, and we love control as a species, we have 100% control over how we respond to something. We have almost no control over what happens to us. And so... We can choose to respond, not necessarily react, but respond to any situation that occurs to us. 
And even going back to Marcus Aurelius, you know, 2,000 years ago, you know, nothing is, is either good nor bad except our thinking makes it so. Um, now, sure, there's some terrible things that happen in the world and I'm not, I'm not really putting 100% sort of fits every scenario there, but we do have a lot of control over our thinking and our response and to pretty much everything. And some of that's automatic. And we have, we, we've, we've always got a space between what's just happened and our response. What we tend to have done over a long time is actually reduce that space. So it almost seems automatic. And the, the, yeah. one of the keys is yeah. to expand the space, you know, between an, an action or something that's occurred and our actual response to it. And now the natural response is to get very defensive when something happens to you that's unmet expectations or misaligned with us as our core value. And so, for example, you know, if a, a software vendor suddenly breaks your partnership agreement or they break pricing on you that you thought was set for life, if they then see that, that your client data is in fact their data and it's the, really the client is renting their data through a software subscription, oh my, really? Are they doing that? I mean, let's ask these questions. If you see a situation where you've brought something up and you've then been gaslighted because that document or that video has been removed the internet, removed from the internet by a software vendor that actually validates and vindicates what you're trying to talk, bring to their attention. Every single one of those, like your client base that you've built, you're, you're, let's say you're recommending software and you're selling software to a, a client, uh, that vendor turns around and, and takes your entire client base and gives it to a, a competitor to you because they no longer want to partner with you. Every single one of those things has actually happened, right? And it's actually happened to us in the, in the last 20 years. So I see a lot of people get incredibly bitter. They, they, or they pivot, they go, all right, and nothing wrong with pivoting, but they say, oh, that vendor doesn't love me anymore. This one does. And so, okay, that may be the case, but be conscious. Are you going into another finite game or are you entering the arena of the infinite game? Players. Now, I'm not lumping all vendors in one, one game here. They're the same as everyone else. They have, they, some will play the finite game, and it's about winning and control and dominance and going through the profession to actually get a, a transaction occurring. Or, and others will be relationship-based, forever mindset. How can we make this better? How can we create something that was never created before? Think of like an Apple, a Steve Jobs sort of mindset as opposed to a, a Steve Ballmer or, or even maybe Gates early on. You know, he's certainly reputedly, I don't know him, but reputedly be a very tough person to deal with and very centric on winning. So instead of creating value, you know, bringing more value to the world that didn't exist before. So we have those choices. One of the things I think at the moment for the accounting profession is we need to try and discern who's, who, who's playing which game. We need to know which game we're playing. So we've got alignment there. And the, I think the reality is there'll always be finite and infinite game players. So how do we know which ones are which? How do we know out of our client base? How do we know out of the firms we're working with? You know, should we move firms because that firm is a finite game player, but there are an infinite game players out there? Because the reality is, if you're living a duality and you're trying to straddle that fence between self-interest, keeping what you've got, as opposed to living a pure sort of more centred, congruent life, because you really find out that you're an infinite game player, but you're, you're caught in a finite game, or someone else's finite game, we need to make a call eventually. And usually when make, we make those tough calls, they're agonising. Sometimes we defer them for years. They eat up at us. Uh, but eventually when we make that call, we step into a power zone, really. Of, of, of we, we feel freer. 
lighter. Um, we maybe feel some guilt that we didn't do it earlier, but I think everything sort of happens in a, you know, everything's just happening for us, not to us. Uh, so, you know, I think we're right at that moment at this juncture where a lot of what's happened over 30 years, I see the same thing happening again. It's like, oh, ah, there's another one of those. You know, it's a bit like business cycles. Um, so how can we break yeah. that cycle? You know, we're either part of the solution or part of the problem. I think just doing what you're doing, we're talking about it. We're starting there, right? We're bringing awareness because there are a lot of people that feel as though, particularly in the accounting profession or bookkeeping profession, I hear them, a lot of, lot of, there's a lot of solopreneurs, a lot of small business operators that just feel like a pawn in the game. I have no control. I have no influence over what's being dealt to me. So how could we, it's almost like a divide and conquer that's happened in the software space. You know, I've seen large scale tech vendors basically build a channel uh, and there's nothing wrong with being a channel to market unless you don't know that you are because one day you'll wake up and realize, oh, hang on, I was a transactional channel piece here that was created by someone else. Um, or is this pure partnership? Is this relationship based? Is this abundance thinking? Is this actually uh, based on innovation and bringing something to a community, being our small business um, owners and operators that never exist before? Are we part of the, a brighter future or are we just trying to carve out and get our piece of this, this pie that has, a, has an endpoint and a zero-sum game associated with it? No pun intended, zero sum. No pun intended, zero sum, because I was just about to say zero changed my life because I feel like they have embodied that and taught that, and, and, and it bled into me through a lot of my connections through zero. So what are the signs? What are the questions you can ask yourself? What are the questions you can ask them to determine or put your own prescriptive measure on them as a vendor or as a partner or as an employee or as a person you know where how can you tell if somebody's playing that finite game yeah it's a great question and i you know i'm still working on trying to is there the definitive checklist on this now when i went back that would be dope if there was maybe we should we should put one together stay tuned i mean that's uh you know when I first started QA business and we interviewed multiple vendors, I said to the firm, I said, listen, we need multiple vendors here because we're actually going to commit to creating a business that serves small to medium and size businesses, you know, and, and people aren't, one piece of software isn't going to solve every challenge for every business in this space. And obviously some will need to move on to ERP or large enterprise type software, which we weren't going to play in that space. The, the partners sort of initially said, Perhaps partner with the biggest who's got the biggest market share because that's where the clients are. And my immediate pushback on that was, hang on, that might be at the moment. The world changes pretty quickly in, in tech. Even in the 90s, we could see that that was the case. There was around 50 vendors. So I had to work out who's who in the zoo here in, in accounting software. You know, there's not a... Who's who in the zoo? And what do they do? So <laughs> I needed to... I need to ask questions that could give me some comfort that I've got done my due diligence in terms of what is the outcome that I want here. I want to know that I'm going to partner with someone who's going to back me up so I can back my client up. This is a back-to-back -back relationship. How long have I got the client for? Hopefully forever. Uh, subject to the client prerogative of moving on, but also subject to our prerogative of moving a client on if there's misaligned values, which we've done you know, numerous times. Uh, then I had to actually work out who who could who would allow me to participate in the feedback loop in a way that, not allow, but embrace, embrace the feedback loop, genuinely open and hearing, what do we need to do? How can we be better? How can we partner better with you? Because we want to actually work with you to actually help the, and make 
tangible difference in the lives of the small business community. What, you know, I then interviewed existing partners. I wanted to find out from my peers, what was that relationship like? How's it going? You know, is it just all lip service or is it actually, do you feel as though there's this genuine partnership there? So unbeknownst, as a 26-year-old, I was trying to just work out which game people were playing because I had this view that I'm in this forever in terms of a forever mindset. Not that you stay in business forever necessarily. You may sell it It's no or move on. That's not a problem. Infinite game players do transact. You know, they do sell their businesses and they do actually exit. That's okay, but it's the forever mindset that stays. Permanence. Yeah, permanence. A, 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 a centeredness, you know, of putting solid ground under something where, you know, perhaps solid ground wasn't. So I wanted to try and at least meet or know as much as I could about the founder, about who's actually creating this. Why Why did they create it? Not just what they're putting on their website or, or putting in their marketing literature. I say that all the time. I say the only time I decide if I'm going to work with a vendor is through the leadership and the founders. That's how I decide. I don't give a what they can and can't do, what the product does, if it if it has these features or not, you know, it's the leadership. And is you know, on the product piece, is it a good product getting better? You know, have they got capacity to and and commitment to you know the Kaizen model of continual improvement, like we're all trying to do of being as people. I feel this way about carbon. I, I know I just brought them up, but I, I bring that up again because I always use them as the example. Like I look at to their leadership and and the way that they operate, and I say that's a that's a model for how a lot of companies should be. They're they're pretty spot on. Uh, I know they people off with their roadmaps, but I love the fact that they do that. I think that's it's encouraging to see where they're going to be and to see their vision change over time. Yeah, and it's important for us as accounting professionals to choose this partnership. This is a choice, right? That we actually have empathy and understanding for the vendor. We need to have confidence and uh, strength to actually, and fortitude, guts really, to actually make calls when they're the right one. So if, for example, and we've done this, and I know many other people have done it, if we feel as though this vendor relationship is not a finite, uh, sorry, an infinite game, and we're the infinite game player. If they're playing a finite game, and they've de- clearly demonstrated that through some action that's incongruent at a value core level, we kill it. We terminate that relationship on every round. You're bridging the gap between tech and the profession. I usually say tech and tax because it uh, there's alliteration there, but it's tech and the profession, or the profession and tech, and you're able to design your life around that around your best outcomes so you're forever going to be on that plateau of peace right like that plateau of pleasantry i'm i live through that and my i'm surrounded by it but i'm a, i'm a creative at heart and i never felt trapped because i was always the finite part of me was this is a means to make money and i didn't have the passion for the profession set i understand a lot more than I did before, but before I was using the profession to make money, it wasn't, I wasn't giving back to it. We had this discussion of partners or vendors. And I love the way you put it. You said partnership with tech vendors. Cause I did, I, I was saying like, I used to call mm-hmm. them vendors in a, in a prior life. I used to say, you know, you work for me. This is not an, and that changed through zero and then it's forever changed for me now. I see them as partners. We're on the same platform. We're on the same you know, stage, mm, yeah. so to speak. 
and we're all seeing eye to eye. And I always thought they were working for me. And, and you know, you have clients that sometimes have that mindset. That's a finite mindset. But that's also because I wasn't incongruent with the profession. It was always for mm. me. It was always supposed to be propping yep. me up. And now that it's, to me, now it's not about money. Now I'm not using anything for my personal gain. I only can give back. I got nothing to gain because I've gained everything I needed to gain from it. I've made money. I have a business that works for me. I'm very appreciative of everything I've got that I can only give back because that's what feeds me. Yeah. When you start out, you know, we tend to have nothing, right? In terms of what we think we need to hang on to. It's almost like, hey, I've got nothing anyway, so I might as well just go, you know, and be bold and be brave. And then we start to accumulate stuff and also a perception as well, you know, an image that we maybe want consciously or unconsciously crafted. We then feel as though we've got things to lose and and things to live up to, which actually creates a bigger challenge for us because we lose a sense of our freedom of choice or a perception of freedom of choice really around that, I think. So it's stepping back into that power zone and I often talk about, well, what if someone took everything away from you? Well, eventually that's going to happen anyway. You know, we're not here forever and eventually we're going to go out with nothing. We might perceive and believe that we had something and except for what we have created is these personal connections. We've brightened up someone's day. We've made maybe made an impact. We've listened to someone when they needed someone to talk to. We may have had a word of encouragement. You know, it's those little things, you know, that make the big difference. And we have the ability to do that with our clients every day, irrespective as to whether we feel as though we're stuck in some contract or relationship that actually is. Because if we're inwardly focused, then we're thinking about that. Whereas what what can we control? We can control the next conversation we, we have with someone. We can initiate a conversation. We can initiate caring and empathy we could bring insights to someone where we feel as though, you know what, surely everyone knows that. But no, a small business owner and operator that's trying to manage their cash flow or, or they're up all night manually writing their invoices or, you know, hey, we've got a better way that maybe you could handle that. Buy back time in your life. And that for us, our one three hundred number, our one eight hundred number is one three hundred buy time. You know, we're, we're wanting to help clients buy back time oh, wow. in their life. Why? so that they could actually put, channel that time and utilise it in an area that's more important and relevant to them, time with their kids. You know, why would we build a business that would take time away from our family ultimately and potentially risk that family relationship? Now, there's a price to pay to build something and create something, but we have control over actually how we structure that. This is a blank sheet of paper. Like business and life is a blank sheet of paper. We can design and create the future, however it is that we choose. In fact, and if we don't do that, someone else is going to design it for us in the way that they choose. And so that's the thing I think we need to get back to and go, ah, okay, right, I do have power here. Everybody's move, marching toward the beat of their drum. Some people are playing the finite game. Some people are playing the infinite game. But you know, when you're playing your own infinite game, the only person that you're playing against is yourself. Totally. And you're going to better yourself and you can be better tomorrow than you were today every day is we can have these incremental gains and as long as we're iterating and we have our feedback loops opening and we're always trying to improve and we're sticking to our systems then nobody else can really harm us to a large degree i mean technically yes people can harm us but not really you know it's not it's only how how we react to that is what's harming 
unless it's physical, but there's there's a whole other element there. But otherwise, we're just a, a product of a lot of different happy accidents, right? Or they can be un, unhappy accidents. It matters your mindset. Yeah, and there's a lot of, you know, there's only so much energy. You know, you're either uh, utilizing your energy in a way that sort of is is for the greater good. And I love the phrase too, you know, what harms the bee harms the hive, you know, because sometimes we, we need to step into a power and talk about things that are important that are impacting the community, our community. Now, that's not necessarily saying that that person we need to extinguish or, or that behaviour, if they're going to consciously perform that behaviour, there's going to be a price. They'll get an outcome and will either be positive or negative or we have a choice to stay with them or continue to support that behaviour or we call it out. That's fine. We're not necessarily going to change it. But I think when we start to speak our truth in a respectful way too, it's not a really a matter of sort of, I think if you're disrespectful or you actually try to just really harm that other person, then we're actually harming ourselves. We're projecting a lot of times. Anytime we're critical or, or judgmental of something else or somebody else, usually you got to always look at where those other fingers are pointing, right? When you point one finger at somebody else, you're pointing three back at you. And that's always the case when it comes to us improving. You know, we can't control what other people do. We can only control how we react. And I love that. That's like the theme too. That's one of the themes we've had. We've had a many, many weaving themes in and out of here. And I like this. We're going inward, inward, not even outward. We're doing everything in right now. We're going, we're going deeper within that intrapreneur, yeah. right? Uh, Something that sort of struck me just a few minutes ago when we were talking was, you know, the fact that we, we caught up in San Diego and, and now we're having this co- quite a deep conversation together, which I'm getting so energized from actually chatting with you. This has just made a difference yeah. in my day and, and catching up with my kids and my family after this is like, I'm going to bring that energy to that, you know, because you've actually... And you're going to be all smiles, which I think you're always all smiles. Um, uh, not always. And, you know, and one thing that I... You know, it's not all, all bitter roses, but we have that choice again to, to bring that energy because out of pure self-interest, smiling actually and, and you know, bringing that energy forward uh, from a self-interested point of view is good for you. So... Of course. Yeah. There's a... And, and one thing I always have to remind myself is I have to be completely independent of the thoughts and opinions of others. And... I can only bring my own energy to anything. Uh, but one thing is when I say that is like, sometimes I have to be independent of people's good opinions and thoughts too, because I'll let that get to me and I'll, and I'll let that affect my mood and it'll put me in a better mood. But then quickly I could see something else and then somebody says something else and that could also deteriorate yeah, my mood. And, and you're on there too. It's uh, uh, ebbs and flows of, of uh, being controlled by those. Perceptions. Yeah. Yeah. By the good and bad. <laughs> So I'm trying to be indifferent to that. That's one thing I'm trying to learn. But I really get energized from these conversations and, and you know, talking with the right people and hitting the right chords of a conversation really brings me brings out the best in me in other ways too. I, I can recall vividly, this is more twenty more than twenty years ago, saying, Well, you know, I just like to be admired and respected. Now that sounded like a great thing at the time. And it, it, I suppose what I was saying to myself was I just want to live a true life in a and be a good human. And then I think naturally from that, people sort of see and, and respect you from that. Now, what I've learned since, I suppose, though, is, hang on, those two things, admired and respected, are, again, out of my control. I have no control over that, yeah. right? So trying to peg what I want with something that I have absolutely no control over is, is a fool's errand. Now, 
that may be, some people may see it that way, that you, oh, yeah, my respect. Some others go, you know what, no, there they might be jealousy. There could be all sorts of things. I, I had to let that go. I, I really stripped that back and said, no, that's not my goal, to be admired and respected. My goal is to live true to me, you know, to actually be the authentic, congruent me that actually lives my values uh, and doesn't shy and shirk away from that. It's this exact same journey. I When I started this podcast, I always told, I'll have a conversation with somebody and I said, I'm doing this because I want to be respected. Like I, I want respect because I feel like, but then I realized, I, I thought I wanted everybody else's respect. That's what I kept saying. And then later it evolved into realizing that I need to respect myself. That's what I wanted. I wanted to respect my, it wasn't about other people respecting me. I could give it if somebody respects me or not now, like before that was it. That was the reason I was doing this. Cause I wanted everybody else to say they admired it and they respected what I was doing. And I wanted them to like it. And I was doing it for that. I'm doing it for them, but not for their yeah. opinion of me. I'm doing it for them, yeah. for them, period. And I had to change that about my mindset. And now I'm doing this for me selfishly, unapologetically. I am being me, doing it for me, and you're going to get something out of it because I'm doing it for you, right? Well, it's constantly re-reminding that we're getting that sort of um, from others or ourselves or our self-talk. I mean, because we're chatting to ourselves, you know, a lot faster than anyone else is going to talk with us. But that's detachment too. Oh, yeah. You can get into that, but that's a that's a whole nother um, aspect of this monk yep, talk, totally. right? It's just that um, I think one of the things, I, and growing up in Australia, particularly in the 70s and 80s, and 90s, you know, like it, that formative years is I felt as though as a society, we had a lot of irreverence. You know, we, we didn't take ourselves too seriously, a lot of kinship, a lot of mateship, you know, we're in it together. It was sort of a, like a we instead of a me sort of community. And again, this goes in cycles, you know, there's cycles of the we generation, me generational movements, um, not generation so much, but but phases that occur. So that irreverence... Because that's shifted too. Oh, yeah. That's changed a little totally. bit, right? Yeah, more nationalist now, and it's uh, it's a little bit, uh, yeah, yeah, in your in your neck of the woods. But but it was more of a very communal and started as community. But you're you're still latching on to that. That's still part of your persona, your yes. life, and how you're that gonna sort be. of piece is then. Yeah, you talked about it, you know self deprecating type. You know, just that sort of not taking yourself too seriously, uh, and then and the probably the the community that was more so that and it's probably held on to it for longer is the New Zealanders, you know, the Kiwis. And I saw that in Rod, you know, that boldness, that confidence, that just self-assuredness, not an arrogance or a overconfidence. It was just a, hey, this is what we're going to do, you know, and let's just go do it. You know, let, we're going to build better schools and hospitals for uh, creating a business that actually comes out of a, a small bunch of rocks in the South Pacific. You know, you used to say that. And, and that, you know, you, that just resonates with people. It's like, yeah, we're doing it for the right reasons. And people will back and support people in on that. Don't feel as though it's a, a zero-sum game and, and some others will try and knock you out. It's okay. No one's going to take you out because you're actually on a different playing field. It's not as though they can reach over to that field and take the game out. No, they're too busy playing their own game on the finite game field. to even re that, So trying to knock out all those other finite game players, but this is an infinite game over here. Sorry, we're on a completely different stratosphere yeah. to what's going on over here. It may not look like that in the near term, and, and when everyone's measuring each other with the same metrics or the other parties are, and, you, you know, public companies have got their quarterly reporting and people get their bonuses on based on short-term performance and short-term outcomes, but not every organisation operates like that. And so that's another defining sort of differentiator. 
And so it's up to us as discerning people and professionals, particularly in the accounting space, to work that out. You know, that's just a, that's just a challenge for us, you know, that can be solved. We love challenges. This lived up to everything I hoped it would be. This this episode, I mean, this is, I was a little nervous too. Like I wanted to bring my best self, bring my A game here, but you brought all the energy. You you brought the conversation. I, I was a little nervous about it. Oh, first, so appreciate you. Uh, well, you laid it out. Taking uh, this we into can your play weekend it out, too. Bear. <laughs> this is great. Thanks so much for right, sharing I'll, a couple I'll of hours together. I'm, I've loved it. I, I'm so looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks and uh, yeah, giving you a hug, man, and, and, and sharing a cold one with you. And yeah, For sure. For sure. Yeah. And a lot of our yeah. friends. It'll be Fabulous. awesome. All right, homie. All right. Take See care. our class it's the guide please take a seat step into this unique guidance session navigate with me it's the capital s oh yes i'm fresh c double o t y apostrophe okr apostrophe you see the show is intended to guide you with advice vision goals on mission it's time accounting hi yeah this profession i think they in the mood for some fun and inspiration Hell okay yeah. what up scott gotta lead with ambition what's that greed you gotta grab your attention intention and it's gotta be abundant public accountants in unexpected places we ask for your attention conversations about the state of the profession emotional intelligence atomic habits in a bundle infinite game rye holiday we stay humble Find your purpose in class with tech apps. Jedi mindsets, James Ash has got your back. For health to discuss her vision for the profession. Evolution conversation with Jeff Wilson the second. And I'ma continue to put the rap down with impact now. And if you're active listening, mind the imagination gap now. Yeah, Janitor Scott, coming to you live from the closet with a bucket and a mop. So find a cozy spot, we all want financial freedom. A-C-C-O-U-N-T-I-N-G-H-I-G-H, preach. Putting this course together, sit back, relax, open your mind, classes in session. Guidance, class at Accounting High, it's Guidance, class at Accounting High, and um, it's Guidance, Monday in Accounting High Show. So tune in to the next episode.